Have you ever noticed that angels are very much a part of the Christmas story? This morning, I will begin some Christmas or Advent sermons as far as my responsibilities in preaching go here at Trinity Church during the month of December. And I will begin with us thinking about angels, uh, good angels, uh, elect angels, holy angels. Here is the outline we will follow this morning in our study of good angels. Number one, we will uh, briefly go over some of the things we find in the Bible about good angels. Number two, we will trace their several appearances in the Christmas story. Uh, there are seven of them. And then number three, we will look at one of the messages the angels gave in reference to the Christmas story. Tonight for my Advent message, we are going to consider the person of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the father, so it was thought of Jesus, Joseph. This morning, once again though, we will think about good angels. Let us pray before we actually get into that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is uh, a wonderful privilege to, uh, to preach right now, and it's also uh, a, a tremendous responsibility. I, uh, I ask, we pray, that uh, you would be present uh, and uh, help me to honor you, to be uh, true to the word of God and to honor you, and uh, please work in reference to all of us that this message will not return unto you empty, but that it will accomplish that which would honor and glorify you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we bow before you and we ask you to come upon us in your grace and in your mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. First point, let's hear and learn some of the things the Bible tells us about these good, holy, elect angels. I'm going to share with you 10 truths about them. Not that these are the only things that the Bible tells us about them, but I'm going to share with you 10 of them. And then after I do that, uh, we're going to go back and uh, focus on three of these 10 truths. We're going to go back and I'm going to highlight three of these truths. The 10 truths, each briefly stated are, number one, angels, good angels, uh, holy angels, elect angels. We read in the Bible that they stand in the presence of God ready to do God's bidding. 
1 Kings chapter 22, verse 19. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the host of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. They stand in the presence of God ready to carry out his will. Number two, good angels obey and serve God. That is their life, obedience and servitude. Number three, angels work for God in behalf of, for the benefit of believers. This is, this is amazing and it's tremendous. In behalf of and, and for the benefit of believers. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits? Okay, well, to whom do they minister? Sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. I believe the Bible also speaks here of guardian angels, the idea of guardian angels. Guardian angels in some sense, and it's been interesting to read church history as to how the different men and women in church history have understood this idea of guardian angels. But I believe that the Bible does speak in some sense of guardian angels. That's part of their ministering to the people of God. Number four, angels are created sinless spirits. Created, of course, by God. You may want to ask the question, when? When, when were angels created? Well, we're not going to go into that. But they were created by God. Uh, they are spirits. And uh, the good, holy angels are without sin. Number five, angels are awesome beings in many respects superior to humans. Uh, more than once we find in the Bible these words about human beings and angels. That God has made us a little lower than the angels. Number six, however, because angels serve believers and believers are in Christ, believers are superior to angels in certain ways. In some ways, angels are superior to humans, in other ways, inferior to believers. Number seven, there seems to be an order or rank among angels. Uh, we read about angels, uh, archangels, seraphim, uh, cherubim, etc. in the Bible. Uh, archangels seem to be higher than angels. And I have read someone who says cherubim have the highest rank in the angelic world. There seems to be an order or rank. Number eight, good angels are a numberless host. At least for us, they are too numerous 
to count. The Apostle John says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, we even find the word numberless next to angels. Number nine, angels are at work for God today. Today, not just in Bible times, not just back then, angels are at work for God in the lives of believers today. And then number 10, angels, our Lord Jesus says in Matthew 24, angels will gather the saints at the time of his return. One day, the Lord Jesus will come back, and Matthew 24, verse 31 says, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Ten truths about angels from the Bible. Now, let me highlight three of these truths, hopefully for our uh, growth, our encouragement as uh, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three of them. The first truth I'd like to highlight is truth number one. Angels stand in the presence of God, ready to do his bidding. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1 to further see this truth taught in the Bible. Luke chapter 1, verse 19. Let me give the context. The archangel Gabriel has appeared to the priest Zechariah to tell him that he and his wife Elizabeth will have a son and to tell him that they are, or actually he is, to name their son John and to tell him that John will go on and minister right before the ministry of the Messiah. Zechariah, in response, has asked Gabriel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. We now read these words of Gabriel to Zechariah in verse 19. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Angels stand around the throne of God, worshiping him and ready to perform his will. That is why they have been created by God, to worship and to perform his will for his glory. And when God gives them his will, they do it speedily and joyfully and perfectly. 
angels, presence of God, ready to serve him. Believers, what an example angels are for us here. We too have been created by God. And we too have been created to worship and serve God. Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. None of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that in the prayer that's often called the Lord's Prayer, we are told to pray, thy will be done on earth with us as it is in heaven among the angels. From the example of angels, let's go from our service this morning refocused on the idea of worshiping and serving the Lord Jesus, refocused on the idea of fully giving our lives over to the one who has saved us. Second truth I want to highlight. Angels are awesome beings. So highly intelligent, so mighty, so swift, so holy. And when they have been allowed to appear, when they have been given some type of a body to appear, they have been so beautiful. In many ways, angels are greater than humans. Look with me at Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Revelation 19, verse 10. The apostle John is in contact with an angel. An angel has appeared to him and is talking to him. What is that like to knowingly be in the presence of an angel? To knowingly have an angel come into our presence? Verse 10. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. An angel is so awesome that John fell at one's feet to worship him. Nobody ever did that with me. Nobody ever did that with you either. But this we see in the Bible is not an uncommon experience for angels when they are permitted to manifest themselves. Angels are awesome beings. But having said that, let me now say this. As awesome and striking as they are, let us remember that the Lord Jesus is far greater than angels in every way. Our Lord Jesus is infinitely greater than the greatest angel in every way. He's greater in his person, 
He's greater in his power. He's greater in his wisdom. He's greater in his love. He's greater in his work. Jesus is God. Angels aren't. Jesus saves. Angels don't. Angels worship and serve Jesus. Jesus doesn't worship angels. He is infinitely greater. And we want to exalt and glorify the Lord Jesus. Not angels or anything or anyone else. The Lord Jesus. We want to get caught up with and exalt and and honor the Lord Jesus. And so again I say, let's refocus ourselves this morning to the idea of living lives of worship and servitude for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the third truth I want to highlight. Angels for God work in the interest of believers. Hebrews 1.14 once more. Are not all angels ministering spirits? Or are not all angels serving spirits? Sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. We see in the Bible that angels announced the law of God to the people of God in the Old Testament. And angels delivered messages to and served the needs of God's people in both the Old and New Testaments. We also see that angels had a major role in announcing the Christmas story, the coming of the Messiah. God uses angels today to serve believers. Angels do not rule over. Angels do not govern believers. God uses them to serve believers. And so, how thankful we should be to God for angels. God uses them for our good, for our profit. And how special to God we believers should see we are. Let me say that again. And how special to God we believers should see we are, for God has angels ministering to believers. I think all of us could improve in our understanding of God's love and care and commitment to his people in our understanding of how precious and special we are to him. May this last truth about angels help us to grow in this. God has angels ministering to us. How special to God we are. Let's move on now to the second part of our sermon, Let's trace the appearances of angels in the Christmas story. Here's a question. Do you remember how many times we find angels in the Christmas story? Don't answer out loud. My uh, ego is gentle, 
and if you would answer, give us the wrong answer, that, uh, that might really crush me. So I'll just simply ask you to answer to yourself, how many times do angels show up in the Christmas story? If we broaden the story of the birth of Christ a little, I at least find angels mentioned seven times. Here, very briefly, are those seven occasions. Number one, the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah to tell him the good news that he would have a son, John the Baptist, who would go before the Lord Jesus to prepare the way for him. Luke chapter 1. Number two, the angel Gabriel goes to Mary in Nazareth to tell her that she is highly favored of the Lord. She, through the Holy Spirit, will give birth to the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. That's also Luke chapter 1. Number three, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, the man pledged to be married to Mary, to explain to him that the child conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit, and to tell him that when the child is born, Joseph is to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's found in Matthew 1. Number four, at the birth of Jesus, that very day, an angel appears to shepherds outside of Bethlehem to bring them the good news of great joy that would be for all the people. And then we read, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's Luke chapter 2. And then appearances 5, 6, and 7 are when an angel appears to Joseph in three dreams. The first one warning him to take the young Jesus and Mary to Egypt to escape King Herod. The second one telling him to return to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the life of Jesus are now dead. And the third one instructing Joseph to go and live in the district of Galilee. Matthew chapter 2. Seven appearances. Seven times that God sends angels to be involved in the Christmas story. Here's what I take from those seven appearances of a practical nature. How important the coming of God's Son is. How very important the coming of God's Son is. Time and again, God employs angels in reference to it. This is no small thing. This is no light truth. How very important the coming of God's Son is. We may say God set it up on earth with the help of angels. 
An angel told Mary that she would be the mother of the Messiah. An angel explained to Joseph that Mary's pregnancy was of the Holy Spirit, and she would give birth to the Messiah. God set it up on earth with angels. And once the Messiah was born, God first announced it through angels. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Then once the Son of God also became man, God used angels to protect him and Mary and Joseph. How very important the coming of God's Son is. Maybe that is why things get so out of hand at Christmas time. Maybe because of, of the importance of the Son of God coming, how important that is, things get so commercial. Every Christmas season, the coming of God's Son is so important that Satan works so hard to try to cover it up, to try to obscure it. My friends, the coming of the Son of God is actually a matter of eternal life or death. Eternal life to those who humble themselves and go to God's Son and receive Him as their Savior and Lord. Eternal death to those who have nothing to do with Him. John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. Do you see the importance of the Son of God? And the angels, I believe, are meant to communicate that to us by being part and part and part of this great story. Do you have the Son of God in your life? Do you have eternal life? The last part of our sermon this morning is, let's look at one of the messages the angels gave in the Christmas story. And the message I'd like us to look at is the hymn of praise, which the angels sang or spoke in the hearing of the shepherds on the day in which the Lord Jesus was born. That hymn, found in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, is this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Here are the shepherds. An angel appears to them. He brings good news to them. A savior has been born. And then a host, a host of angels join 
And they say, glory, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let's take two things with us from this hymn. A, notice what our response to the Christmas story is to be. Glory to God in the highest. The angels tell us that Christmas is to be a time when we focus on God. It's to be a time when we are overflowing with thanksgiving and praise to God for what he has done. Christmas declares the love and grace of God for his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Christmas is a time to focus on God and to glorify God for deliverance from sin, for eternal life, for salvation. It has to do with God and giving God glory. It's not about making sure we don't miss out on Black Friday by being at Walmart at a certain time or Best Buy or or taking advantage of Boscov's doorbusters. That's not what Christmas is. That's not our response. It is glory to God. Are we doing that? Are you going to celebrate Christmas? If so, glory to God is our celebration. I recall reading about the events around a certain baby's baptism. I've mentioned this, I've told this story to, to some of you. The baby was baptized one Sunday morning in church. After church, family members and friends went over to the baby's house to socialize and eat. After a while, someone said to the parents, and where is the baby? The mother let out a gasp, ran to a bedroom, and there on a bed, under a pile of coats, was the forgotten baby. I'm afraid that's what so many of us do to Christ at Christmas. We pile all kinds of things on top of him and forget him. But by God's grace, let's not do that this year. Let us courageously and joyfully and faithfully give glory to God for the gift of his son. And then I want us to notice, this will be B from the angels, what the gift of Christmas is. We say it's the gift of his son and that's true, but let's, let's get into that a little more. The angels went on to say, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
peace to men, uh, forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Pardon in reference to our guilt and righteousness reckoned to us in Jesus Christ. Peace to men and eternal right standing before God. Adoption into the forever family of God. Friendship with almighty God. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Do you have this gift? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you have this gift? Angels play a major part in the Christmas story. Seven times at least, they participate in it. And on one of the occasions, they tell us, our response to the Christmas story is to be glory to God, and God's gift is on earth, peace to men, on whom his favor rests. Let's pray.